everyone. Welcome to this episode of Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez, and I'm recording today without Jasper. Some of you probably know that Jasper and I are actually not in the same places right now. I'm currently living in Chicago, and Jasper is back in San Francisco. So for a couple of episodes, we might be separate. We might be doing interviews separately with people, and that's what we're doing today. But we'll often come together to talk about big issues, like in our last episode when we talked about all the nuttiness that's been happening at Four Barrel. We're still going to be bringing you those episodes, but there might be some changes in our format, but nothing too crazy. Just means that we get to interview way more people and kind of extend our reach. And today I am here with Molly Flynn, who is the founder of Coffee 2. Hi, Molly. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So let's talk a little bit about Coffee 2 if you haven't heard about it. Coffee 2 is a grassroots community project that's devoted to combating discrimination and harassment in the coffee industry through educational events and literature. So Coffee 2 started about, I want to say like two or three months ago in November. Is that right? Almost. Yeah, it was October. I was with some other coffee professionals at a trade show, and we were talking about some of the experiences that we'd had over the weekend, but also over the courses of our careers, and really were reflecting on the harassment and discrimination that each of us had faced, that we'd witnessed happening to other people, and that we'd heard about from um, from, from our friends, from our colleagues. And honestly, we were just so mad and felt so helpless. Um, we felt like something just had to happen. And so we we drank a whole bunch of coffee. We stayed up till, uh, I don't know, the wee hours of the morning. And we wrote up a plan. It was the framework for coffee, too. We, we were just like, something has to happen, so let's do it. And then the next day, we learned about the, co- the, uh, the Me Too hashtag, and it validated everything that we'd been talking about. And that was when I knew, like, we really actually have to do this. And Coffee 2 was born. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in coffee? How did you get started in the industry? Yeah, so I, I've been in the industry for uh, over 13 years. And I actually really hated coffee when I first got into it. One of my coworkers had to teach me how to like coffee. Like, he put me on a little coffee liking plan. <laughs> But I I started working in coffee because I was just a a wee baby teenager and I had been working at the YMCA and I wanted to work someplace more wholesome. And this coffee shop had a a good reputation. I feel like little did I know (laughs) what I was going to experience in coffee over the years um, in the context of wholesomeness. Um, I've had an interesting career. I've gotten to work, gotten slash had to work at places like Stumptown, Intelligentsia, and Slayer. And those all, of course, like any job, had their pros and cons. But now I'm a, now I'm a barista at Broadcast Coffee. Um, they have three shops and a roastery here in Seattle. So Coffee 2 has some really specific goals and ideas that you want to tackle. Can you talk a little bit about what your objectives are and how you hope to combat issues of harassment and discrimination? Absolutely. So our goal at Coffee 2 is to educate the coffee community about three main questions. The first one is, what are our rights as individuals in this industry? Two, what can we do if our rights are violated? And three, how can we take care of ourselves if we are put through an unwanted or traumatic situation? And we're going to answer these questions at a string of national and local events, as well as through an educational packet, um, as well as regular information about our rights on our social media. 
it occurs to me that a lot of people really don't know what their rights are. So like if something does happen to them at work or if they feel like they've been harassed, a lot of people really don't know where to turn. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. In fact, as people such as yourself with Barista Magazine and like Spread have been covering Coffee 2, people have been coming forward to talk with me about their experiences and all of them end with this question of what do I do? And that really resonates with me because I was in the same situation and have been multiple times, just like a lot of people have been. Um, so I, I really empathize and I that drives me further to get this information out there. Can you talk a little bit about your own personal experiences with harassment or discrimination? So, so I feel that I have been sexually harassed as well as discriminated um, for gender discrimination and sorry for pausing it's just that it's it's a it's a heavy and it's a complex subject and I think that a lot of people when they start talking about it realize that like there's a lot of weight there there's a lot of baggage and um but uh, but I am really happy to or not happy is the, the right word but I'm I am I'm honored to be able to share my story because I feel that it's helpful for other people to know that they're not alone. So for me, I I worked for an employer who is started out innocuously enough, um, but they I was alone in the office with my boss, and uh, at the end of the day, he came over to my desk and he kissed the top of my head. And at the time, I thought that's really weird and awkward. Maybe he just thinks of me like his daughter. But then things got weirder. We would go to uh, bars with, with the company. He would take the other employees to bars, and we weren't alone, but he would still get really handsy. Um, and and then I think the worst of it was when, um, twice when we were at Airbnbs for the company, again with other employees, after they'd gone to bed, the other employees, my boss, uh, approached me in his underwear, and that was on two different occasions. And it was just totally inappropriate. Um, and in all of those situations, I felt frozen. I felt, I felt like I had to be supportive of my boss because I just didn't know that that is sexual harassment. It's illegal and it's wrong. I've also experienced a little bit of a little bit of discrimination in in that I have been underpaid uh, compared to my male equals by eight to ten thousand dollars. I've been passed up for management positions even though no one else was being put in those positions and I was being expected to do that role and that's happened in two different jobs where I was where I was asked to do the managerial tasks in addition to my own tasks without any extra pay um, or without any promotion. And these are not the worst experiences that anyone has ever had in coffee as we see through Four Barrel, but I think it's important as we all evaluate our, our own issues that we've come up against that we really validate them because these are important, they are our stories, they're very real, and the things that happened to us were wrong. I think you mentioning validation is really important because for so many people, something will happen to them and either they internalize it thinking, like you said, that you have to support your boss 
or they will bring it up to somebody and the person in charge or the person that's supposed to protect them will say that, no, that wasn't harassment or that's just how that person is. Or as we saw with the four barrel debacle, not to talk shit or start drama, um, maybe kind of a cheesy segue, but that's kind of become a really big uh, campaign for the Coffee 2 movement, right? Is the uh, talk shit or start drama. Can you talk a little bit about how you've incorporated that into Coffee 2? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I can't take credit for it. Um, there are people who have asked to be remain anonymous as well as you and all of your hard work, people who have been so generous in offering their time and talents to creating a fundraiser for Coffee 2. And the fundraiser is this little three pack of pins that say, um, one says start drama, the other one says talk shit, and the other one says Coffee 2. And they are so cute. And anyone who donates $10 or more gets this three pack. And people have been generous above and beyond the $10. And I am so blown away and so grateful. It's been incredible. I want to talk a little bit about just how how much the community has responded to Coffee 2. Because I know you've mentioned that you've been kind of overwhelmed by the amount of support and outreach that people have provided. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what did you expect when you started this? Oh my gosh. I didn't think anybody was going to want to touch this. I, I really, there were several crossroads along the way in forming Coffee 2 that I thought, this subject is too heavy and we all have jobs. We all have our own histories that we have to deal with. Who is going to want to take this on? And the response is pretty much everyone. <laughs> like the the answer is everyone is on board and and so supportive. I can't believe it. I I have chills right now <laughs> thinking about it because it's been so so amazing. When people hear about Coffee Two um, at events or on through publications like Barista Magazine and Spredge. Um, they contact me and they say, I love what you're doing. This speaks to me. Here's my story. And how can I help? Um, or people say, this is such so important. And that's why I want to donate. Other people have been coming forward uh, left and right, offering for Coffee 2 to be co-sponsors of events to get this information out even further. So the original list of events that we've put together is expanding because we're going to be presenting this even more. Um, it's, it's really just been so incredible. I'm, I am beyond grateful. What do you think your first event will look like? The first event that we're going to do is actually going to be a mini event. And this event is going to be sort of a scaled down version of the main event that we're going to do. And I'll talk about the main event in a little bit. But the mini event is essentially going to be just a small gathering of coffee professionals in this local scene to discuss those three topics that I mentioned about our rights, what to do if our rights are violated, and how to take care of ourselves. Um, we're thinking that we would like to have a professional there to speak, probably an HR rep or a lawyer, possibly a mental health professional. It's But yeah, it's just going to be a great time of sharing the beginnings of the information that we're gathering. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. We're hoping to have it out maybe late February to early March. But if anyone has been involved in opening a cafe, 
planning these events and getting this organization together is kind of like that. Like, things that just take longer than you originally expect them to. So give us a little bit of grace as we figure out exactly when everything is going to be timed. But we're definitely trying to get it out there as quickly as possible. I kind of want to walk through like a mock scenario. So let's say you're at work and somebody does something to you that makes you feel like your rights have been violated. What what should baristas know? Like, what do they need to know to make sure that they are protected? I should preface this by saying that I cannot give legal advice. So all of this is just tips that you could use in your situation if you feel it's appropriate. Give yourself some credit and validate your feelings because like we talked about earlier, it's important to recognize that if you're uncomfortable, something is probably wrong. So once you've done that, consider talking to a lawyer because a lot of lawyers will give you a free consultation. So that doesn't mean that there is any obligation to go with them after you talk with them. Um, You don't have to pay them anything. You just talk about your experience and they'll let you know if they can give you advice. After that, some lawyers may represent you pro bono. So that means that you could get free legal help. This doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. If that doesn't happen, there are some instances in which a lawyer will make an arrangement in which if they feel that you have a strong case, they'll represent you and only collect any sort of payment if you also get paid out of your um, settlement or out of your case. To a lot of people, it can seem like an extreme option to go to a lawyer, but if I back up all the way to the beginning of that, just with the consultation, the lawyer can tell you what your options are. There's There are a whole spectrum of options, so that doesn't mean that you have to go through a a lawsuit. They can tell you um, what some of the other things are that you can do. If we want to scale it way down to something a little bit less, that might feel less drastic to a person, is that um, if we look at the the EEOC website, and that's the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, if you open up their homepage, the very first article that they have on there is what you should know, what to do if you believe you've been harassed at work. And it's a great resource. And uh, and it's going to be resources like this that help inform the packet that we create and the events that we are going to put on. Um, some of the advice that they recommend is that you can talk to the person who's harassing you if you feel comfortable doing so and ask them to stop. And even though I feel that this is an important thing that the EEOC has on their website, I understand firsthand that that is not always an option. Um, that can feel really overwhelming and intimidating to try to talk to the person who's who's treating you poorly. So it's an option, but not one that you have to take. I do strongly encourage people, though, uh, whether they have been harassed or not, to go ahead and learn what their company's um, anti-harassment policies are. This will let you know if there are any actions that the company has in place for you to take action if anything has been done that's inappropriate. Um, You can also talk with a supervisor. If you feel that that's not an option, you can always consider filing a claim with the EEOC and know that you have protective rights, which means that you cannot be fired as a form of retaliation for filing that claim. So that means that you can let the government know that you have been sexually harassed or harassed in another way, and, and they will look into your claim and 
you can't get fired for doing that. So that's that's the beginning of the options that we're starting to collect. And the longer that the project goes on, the, the more um, robust our offering is going to become to, to let people know what their rights are. One, one important thing that the EEOC does point out too is to document everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so every time like someone tells me that they're like, something like this has happened to me at work, I'm like, who did you tell? Where are the emails? Did you save the receipts? Like anything that can be documented, even just you writing down like on this date at this time, journaling what happened is really important. Too. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. So make sure that you're writing everything down, which is kind of a shame to warn people about because it does put a lot of onus on victims to prove their own, like to prove that something has happened to them. And I think what you started with at the beginning of this statement that you need to just take a moment and validate your feelings is a really important step. So I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about things that happen to people that make them feel like their harassment isn't real, like gaslighting or just invalidating feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we saw a strong case of that with with Four Barrel. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, they were told not to talk shit and not to start drama. And, and that right there is gaslighting. That is um, the company shutting down and invalidating and really kind of messing with the heads of the people who had very real and traumatizing experiences. So yeah. another thing, a lot, yeah, sorry. Another thing that a lot of them were told, too, is that they were a family. Mm-hmm. Which I also was like completely blown away by this idea that you try to foster this false sense of closeness in order to invalidate inappropriate behavior. Like, oh, this is what families do. Um, Another form of harassment that I think hasn't really been talked about too much is the idea of like quid pro quo. Like if you do this thing, you can then get promoted. Oh, right. Absolutely. That is one of the things that I am very concerned about and um, and that I will be gathering information on. But yeah, that just makes me sick. <laughs> I know. And then something that you mentioned earlier, too, is wage disparities. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that real quick, I want to tie that into something that's really important to me with Coffee 2 is that while Coffee 2 is 50% devoted to dealing with sexual harassment um, and other types of harassment, it is only 50%. The other half of Coffee 2 is devoted to something that has the same root problem, but manifests manifests itself in a different way, which is discrimination. But discrimination is not just gender discrimination. It's, it's racial, it's sexual orientation, it's age, it's class. Um, its ability, which I think we've definitely not done a great job of supporting people with different abilities to to be a part of our community. There are all sorts of different types of people who are not being well represented, especially in positions of power and coffee. Um, So when we look at the issue, to to come full circle, when we look at the issue of wage disparity, um, that happens in all of those different people groups. And and to put a name on it, these are marginalized people. And marginalized people traditionally do not get paid as well as, if we're being super frank, cis white men, um, which is not an attempt to blame cis white men for them getting paid better, but it is a statement that we need to look at the systems that we have in place that are allowing one 
people group to thrive, whereas all of these other people groups are not thriving. I think that's good that you mentioned that copy two is not just for harassment and not specifically harassment towards women. Mm-hmm. It is getting a lot of the spotlight right now, obviously, with what's happening at Four Barrel and the Me Absolutely. Too movement. Yeah. But this is meant to be an all-encompassing platform Mm -hmm. to really help folks who are marginalized in general and you're totally right there are people who are simply overlooked and I think even speaking specifically to able-bodied versus non-able-bodied folks that's like kind of a huge injustice in the coffee industry that we're really not addressing very well absolutely I completely agree Mm -hmm. how do you see this platform kind of transcending all of these different groups and barriers what would you like to see happen for those folks one thing that we're going to do in coffee Two is we're going to focus on finding different groups that address uh, the rights of marginalized people such as disability rights washington they are a, a group that really focuses on the workplace rights of people with different abilities and disabilities we're going to contact them for the resources that they have and see if there's any way that we can collaborate and not just specifically or not only disability rights but also um, the rights of all of the different marginalized people groups we're we're going to look for those resources we're going to include those in our packets we're going to make sure that those people are represented in our events we're going to make sure that our events are friendly to all of the different marginalized people groups so this is a huge focus of ours and and we hope to make coffee a safer and more equitable industry and community for these people through the work that we're doing Looking to other experts is something that we kind of miss a lot in coffee sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a, but it's an important resource. There are a lot of tools out there that we can utilize, and this is kind of a great vehicle to do that. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about. We've talked a lot about people who are affected by harassment and who are affected by wage disparity and marginalization. And I kind of want to focus on people who perhaps aren't as affected by this, but still want to help. What advice do you have for people who maybe are seeing harassment or know somebody who maybe does something kind of questionable? Like, how can they get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, documentation is fantastic. Just like you talked about, like making sure that you write everything down or if there are screenshots you're aware of, take pictures of those. Anything that you can do to help the other person without um, compromising their safety or their um, their any potential need for anonymity because a lot of people feel private about this. So make sure that if you are documenting these things, you check with the other person and just, this is a one huge way that you can help is really the way to help check with the other person, make sure that they are okay. Um, ask them if there's anything that they need from you and really take your cues from them Um this is something that Coffee 2 is learning about through offering assistance to um, anyone at Four Barrel who needed help is that um, we may come into this with our own ideas or agendas. I mean, we certainly have our opinions about issues like this coming from where we're at, but it's important to set those aside and listen first about what the other person needs and then determine if you are capable of meeting those needs. And if you're not capable of meeting those needs yourself, Try to connect the person up with 
with someone else who can meet their needs. Let's see, another way that people can help um, would be to um, and definitely to donate to groups who are dealing with projects like this, um, because then you're helping organizations address this topic in a, a really large way um, rather than just in an individual way. So it just like doubles the amount of help that you're able to give. And then, of course, if anyone is able to volunteer at a group, that's so helpful. I mean, Coffee 2 is run entirely by volunteers, including myself. So all of the help that organizations like Coffee 2 can get is just so magical and, and so impactful. Something that I've seen a lot in like my emails and from just people in general approaching me about this, and I wonder if this has happened to you, is when people know somebody who has done harm, and how do they address it? Because I feel like I have also been really close to people who I've seen do harm to others. And it's been really difficult for me to say like, hey, like you can't do that. And I wonder if you have any, like how do how do we tell the people that we love sometimes that what they're doing is problematic? Mm, oh, is, I know it's a hard one. That is a hard question. That's a great question. I think that the very first thing that you need to ask yourself if you're put in that situation, and I'm, I'm thinking about this from my own perspective of how would I do this in my own life. So maybe I'll just phrase it that way. So if, if I was in that situation, I would want to really reflect first on what is the safest and healthiest thing that I need to do for myself. Because sometimes these conversations do not go well because a lot of times people who are engaging in toxic behaviors don't want to acknowledge it. And just like we've talked about before, they will turn it around and, and gaslight. And um, really, that's a, a form of emotional abuse. And so I, I would want to really carefully consider if I was in a position in that moment to to go through that type of behavior, go through that sort of treatment from the other person. So it's kind of a, a long answer to a very first step, but, but I think it's an important one because that's, I mean, you are dealing with your, your own health as well. To kind of advance that a little bit more, I, I completely understand what you're talking about. And I, I've been in situations like that and have wanted to help other people not get hurt if the answer for anyone to that, that first question is, yes, I feel safe, I feel that I can handle any sort of emotional abuse that comes my way in this conversation, then I, I fully support them talking to the other person. I think that talking to them directly is helpful because um, versus maybe, say, taking more drastic actions like just calling them out on social media, which, I, which is completely valid. Um, it's just a different approach. But if you know this person directly, having that chance to talk with them and say, hey, look, you know that I love you, that I care about you, but you also need to know that you are hurting other people and I am here for you to give you resources if you want to change your behavior. In fact, that brings up for me this really great article. I'm going to look it up while we are talking on the air. Um, <laughs> uh so I, th I think it's called, So You've Sexually Harassed Someone, Now What? Um, I'm going to look it up. 
No, that's good because that actually is going to segue into my next question, which is how do we provide tools for people who have done harm? Mm -hmm. Because the ultimate goal is to end harassment and end marginalization, but that also involves giving people who have done harm a pathway to do better. Absolutely. There are two answers for that. Um, The first one is the the article that I was just about to mention is... It's by The Establishment, um, so it's theestablishment.co. Uh, the article is called, So You've Sexually Harassed or Abused Someone, What Now? And it is such a good read. And honestly, it's, it's a frank read, um, but I think that it is mainly empathetic and insightful. So for anyone who f- fears that they may have engaged in toxic behavior, please read this article. <laughs> it is a great way to take a look at what what, how you can process the actions that you've done, the emotions that you have surrounding it, and what your options are going forward to to really to deal with that. Just to highlight a, a couple of their points, which again, I'm totally stealing from the establishment, but it's because I feel that these are great points. I'll go over them just real quickly. Number one is stop calling the victims a liar. Two, don't wait to be accused. Three, pause before immediately saying what a better person you are now. Four, understand exactly what you did. Five, face the consequences. Um, six, use your power for good. So, oh, and seven, oh, it just keeps going. It's so great. Don't, do not expect forgiveness. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack in there, but I just want to give people an understanding of what is in that article and, and how really helpful it is. So that's the long mm-hmm. answer for that one. I think that's a great article. Mm-hmm. My uh, friend's uh, mom runs a blog about apologies. I think it's called the I'm Sorry blog. Yes. And it's all about unpacking unpol- uh, unpacking apologies that are really shitty. Oh, that's so great. It's pretty amazing. And it's so like, relevant right now because so many people are really bad at apologizing. Oh, they sure are. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, I, I've seen that a, a couple of times lately on... Uh, in the public eye when it comes to dealing with issues like this. And I think we could all use a little bit of um, education on that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing that I want to bring up about ways that um, people can help, and this kind of ties into your last question too, about ways people who are just like allies, how they can be supportive for those people and for the people who fear that they have engaged in toxic behavior towards another person. One great thing that you can do would be to attend our allies event because Coffee 2 is going to be throwing an allies event um, at a date to be determined, but probably uh, late spring, early fall, uh, excuse me, late spring, early summer. And it's going to be totally devoted to helping non-marginalized people learn how to be better allies to marginalized people. And that's going to touch a little bit on how we can support people in regards to sexual harassment and emotional abuse as well, as well as dealing with just taking a hard look at our differences as people and how we can be supportive of that. Look at the different differences in promotions in coffee industry, how there's an imbalance there. So there's a lot that we're gonna cover, and I think that this would be a great way for people to learn how we can better support each other and be better allies. This might be... This might be emotional to think about, but I wonder if you think about the moments where you felt like you were being harassed or you were being discriminated against and I wonder what you wish would have happened in those moments Mm. that is a really good question it's a powerful question 
I haven't thought about that before, what I wish would have happened. I mean, of course, the, the main wish would be that it just never happened. But, but I think that I wish... I wish that my companies had had external HR companies that they relied on. So I did have one company that had a decent HR person, but their hands were tied. Like, they they were bound to support the company that they that they were working for and they worked more closely with the CEO than with the employees of the company just due to the nature of the work structure so I felt that they weren't able to really support me in say my concerns of wage disparity and then in the the issues of um, sexual harassment there was no HR person at all the person who was performing the misconduct was the president of the company. So yeah, I mean, just to, to come full circle, I wish that that each of those companies had employed external HR companies because then they could have been unbiased and they could have helped me and provided support for me without feeling like they were tied to the company they worked for. Thinking about your coffee career and how you've worked for a couple of different places, it kind of I don't know. It just makes me feel a way where I'm like, there's so many people who bounce around. And I think that people kind of, kind of internalize bouncing around, especially in the coffee industry as either the nature of barista work, that it's transient, but also that it's a negative against you. Like I've been asked before, like, why have you left all these jobs? And I'm like, can I really tell you the answer? Like you already have this like seed of doubt inside of you by asking me in this way and I think that that's like the harm after harassment that really nobody talks about is how it affects your career later on and like how can you talk about these things with employers like have you felt that that guard like can I talk about this with other people can I share this with an employer like why did you leave this place like well this person was harassing me I completely relate to that. I have worried in interviews that if I said that I left because of sexual harassment or because of wage disparity, that they would think that I was either a whistleblower or a um, or someone who was going to demand a lot of money, like more money than I was worth. I, I had a lot of fear surrounding their perception of me. It's and isn't that weird that that's that just instilled in us to to not have confidence after we have been harmed. It's, it's kind of a, a sick system. So many ways that we focus on harassment is on the harassment itself, which is really important, but it doesn't end. And I think that that's also really important to recognize too. Like you don't just settle an issue of harassment and move on. It continues to affect you in so many ways, both emotionally, mentally, and in real tangible ways, career-wise. Absolutely. I mean, when we think about um, the four-barrel case, what do we expect is going to happen for the victims who went through the lawsuit? Like, if we're really honest with ourselves and we we ask ourselves, what will their next job in coffee be? Do we see that they're going to be promoted to to a great job or do we feel that they are like the, that they've just like cast themselves out of the industry now because they're painted as whistleblowers like I think there's a stigma around 
people who who speak up for themselves um and and not just in the impacts of the career there's also like you said there is there's the heavy baggage that stays with you after long after situations like this um i mean when you asked me the question about um about my experiences there was that long pause just because that that's that's heavy stuff that you learn to compartmentalize because you have to to function after i so i i got fired from from one of my jobs it was a very toxic work environment and um and this was one of the situations of, of discrimination as as well as just generally being toxic and and i got fired uh, and they wouldn't provide a reason actually and i i asked for one in writing they wouldn't provide one um but all of that aside it was just it was such um it was such a toxic environment that and i struggle with um, mental health issues like I, I have severe depression um, which a lot of people in the coffee industry do I mean a lot of people in the world do the impact of being in such a negative environment one that I'd experienced sexual harassment in was so heavy that I could not work for eight months and in that time I was mostly stuck in bed and it was it was so painful it was it was is an indescribable experience and I and and this might sound kind of extreme to some people but this my experience is not the only one I've heard from other people who have been through toxic work environments in the coffee industry who have had similar experiences of not being able to cope afterwards and some of them are still dealing with heavy financial burdens due to mental health resources so it's a big problem. Thank you for sharing your story. It's, I know it can be painful to be so open and be kind of vulnerable to that, but I think sharing your experiences and letting people know that they're not the only ones who feel this heavy burden is really important and really, really incredible. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Let's let's end on a more positive note. I want to talk yeah, about your fundraiser a little bit more. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it at the very beginning. So let's talk about it a little bit more. So you, me, and some of the folks from the Four Barrel lawsuit kind of got together and some really great people got involved who made pins. And we are asking people to donate $10 or more to coffee too. And they'll get this set of really amazing pins. So what, what tan, like what can people expect to see with, with those donations? Like what are, what are your goals? Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to help in a very real way and that any donations will go towards, towards several things. One would be towards the events. We're going to be seeking as many um, sponsorships as we can to limit our costs. But the truth is it's going to be very expensive for us to throw these events, especially since the main event, which, Oh, we never talked about the main event. Um, let's talk about the main event. Oh, let's talk about the main event. Okay, I am so excited about the main event. I need to come up with a proper name for it too. But right now, we'll just call it the main event. And it is, um, so it's going to be a bigger version of the mini event that I talked about. And it is going to be big. But it's going to also be live streamed throughout the entire U.S. And we're going to have what we're calling satellite events in key cities around the U.S., and those satellite satellite events are going to live screen the main event in their coffee business. And the main event is going to have talks from four different kinds of professionals. 
a uh, an HR rep, a union rep, a lawyer, and a mental health professional. And each of these experts are going to talk about those three core topics that I talked about, which are our rights, what to do if our rights are violated, and how to take care of ourselves. So it's going to be a phenomenally powerful event. This is also the time that we are going to release the packet that we're writing, which is going to be a richly educational packet full of information and resources about these core topics. And it's all going to be in layperson's terms, so it's going to be very approachable. And then the satellite events that we're going to have they are going to be kind of unique to each region. So one region, like say say Dallas, Texas, they might want to have a throwdown before their before the the live screening. Uh, maybe that's the way that they would feel people would most want to get involved. Um, whereas someone in Nashville might want to have a um, a self defense seminar in addition to the screening. So. It's going to be really cool and powerful, and um, this is really where we're going to get the key elements of this information that we need into the hands of the people who want it. So, to come back to the fundraiser, so the money is going to go to things like the main event, the mini event, the allies events, the satellite events, and then, like I mentioned at one point, there are people who are approaching me all the time asking me to have coffee to sponsor an event that is focused on these topics of discrimination, of, of equality, of dealing with harassment. So events, um, that's definitely going to be a huge part of where the funds go. The funds are also going to go towards the packet, such as buying the rights towards any information that we need to get to the, the paper for the packets themselves. There's also basic administrative things that we need, like a website. We may also turn ourselves into a nonprofit organization, and if we do that, then the funds are going to go towards helping us pay for all of that. So I, I could go on, but this... Yeah, it seems like a lot of possibilities are, are up in the air. So much, and there's so much that we're able to do, and so much that we are for sure going to be doing. So these funds are definitely going to be impactful. Um, and you get a sweet three-pack of pins. That's so great. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. They look incredible. Yeah, I just got them in a couple days ago, and I am so excited. In fact, I've, I'm getting all of the supplies um, in the mail for packaging them up, and they're going to look super cute. I'm so excited. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So where can people donate it again? They can donate at GoFundMe.com slash StartDrama. Molly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all these really helpful resources, but also thank you for telling your story and just being vulnerable and being open with like your truth. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great experience. And thank you to all of our listeners. Molly, if people want to engage with you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah. Find us on Facebook. We are called Coffee 2 Project. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. It is at Coffee 2 Project. We've got a theme going here. And if you, if anyone is interested in volunteering, you can reach out to me at coffee2project at gmail.com and I'll tell you about your options. That's incredible. If you want to reach out to Boss Barista, you can always add us on Instagram. We are Boss Barista Podcast. At Twitter, we're Boss underscore Barista and our email address is bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. So if you have any questions, if you want to share your own stories, we are here and we're listening. Uh, Thanks again, Molly, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. For Boss Barista, I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Thank you again so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.